Just today, I was talking with a senior leader about how lonely leadership often is. And that's why for many of us, growing our networks is such an important goal. On this episode, Tom Henschel and I discuss the practical things you can start doing today to grow your professional network. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 279. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show will give you access to the best thinkers, resources, and actions to develop your leadership skills. And one of the core principles, uh, not only for leaders, but really for all of us in our professional relationships, also our personal relationships, is having relationships and continuing to build those relationships. And many of us, if not almost all of us, have heard before that we need to continually be working on building our professional networks and continually be networking throughout our careers in order to be a value to our organization, our industry, our colleagues, but also for our own careers as well. And yet, it is one of those things that when many people hear the word networking, they start to get concerned about all the things they're going to need to do and all the cocktail parties they're going to need to go to and uh, and putting yourself out there in the world. And there's a lot of fear around that. And that's why I'm really glad to welcome back to the show today, Tom Henschel, who is an executive coach, has been on the show many times before, also a good friend, and is the host and producer of the show, The Look and Sound of Leadership, my favorite podcast to listen to on leadership. And Tom also happens to be what I consider to be a master networker, not only within his industry, but across business industries. Tom, I am so glad to have you back and be talking about this topic with you today. It's always great to talk to you, Dave. Thanks. Well, we were talking after we recorded our last show about what we could talk about next on a, a, a podcast. And you somehow it came up of networking, and both of us were talking about how important that was. And I've also noticed over the time I've had the chance to know you just how how well connected you are. Anytime I ask you about it, do, do you know someone here? Or do you know someone there? You know several people. And not only do you know them, but you know them really well. And uh, it's always been impressive to me how you've put that together. And so I, I thought it'd be fun today to talk some about what you've done, how you've figured this out, and also what we can learn from you and the things you see your clients do so well. Great. I love talking about it. I talk about this with people all the time. I think it's it's a critical skill. One of the things that I'm aware of is I often talk about it with people who are trying to become coaches and want to be entrepreneurial. But just recently, I had a conversation with a guy who's a vice president in his organization. About 18 months ago, a new CEO showed up. The company went through a big culture change. And he, without a lot of grief, has simply said, you know, this is not the place I signed up for. I'm probably going to be moving on. And then he said to me, but you know, I've been so deep in my work the last eight years, I don't know anybody outside of this company anymore. Mm. And so I just think that is one of the stories, I'm, I'm sure there's many, that one of the stories that speaks to the need of, you know, why network? 
Well, that's one reason why you would want to be networking. I was curious for you, when you think about your listening community, why do you think networking is important? Yeah, I think there's probably three things that come to mind for most people who are part of the Coaching for Leaders community. And and I'll put myself in this category too, Tom. Um, one of them would be to build influence within um, within the organization or the industry that people are in already. And um, you and I were talking and preparing for this conversation today that even if you're of in an organization of any size, um, you know certainly there's opportunity to network in your industry and outside the organization. But even within the organization, in the different business units of you know if you're in a if you're in a marketing role, there's a great opportunity to build a relationship with the people in IT and the people who are in sales and 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 vice versa. And that is hugely valuable. Um, not only long-term, but even in the short-term of building your influence within the organization or the industry. I think the second piece would be opening doors for opportunities in other roles or organizations or industries. And that speaks to the example you just gave, Tom, of you know, for whatever reason, things have changed and or you know, you've just changed as a person. I've, I've had this happen in my career where I've outgrown a role or outgrown a, a company or it's time to move on for whatever reason, or dynamics have changed, or an organization has changed, and or you move, <laughs> or something happens personally that it's it's time to move on, and the network you've built can really facilitate having choices to move on in your career and have the next opportunity, and um, and that makes that hugely hugely easier to have options. I think the statistic is something like 75% of positions are uh, general are found through a person's professional or personal network. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and that resonates with me a lot because that's certainly been my experience and, and my, not only personally, but also working with clients over the years. And then I think the third thing for me, Tom, is also, and, and for our audience too, is just helping the world be a better place. <laughs> I love putting people in touch. I know you do too. Of sure. Just things that don't even necessarily have anything to do with me or my business, but just helping people in the world. And uh, a fun example uh, you'll like, Tom, is I, a couple of years ago, uh, we have a listener in Scotland who's an executive coach. And him and I have talked off and on over the years on you know, online, and he's been very kind to share many of the articles online with his community. And sometime after that period of time, we had been talking. Uh, I got an email from a listener who was also in Scotland, and he was t he asked the question, you know, do you know any executive coaches, or how would I find a coach? And uh, I just in my mind, I thought like, oh, well, that's interesting. I, I I happen to know someone. I emailed him back. I said I happen to know someone who's part of our listening community out there. Sure enough, it turns out they're almost in the same town in Scotland. Wow. And they, I found out just recently, actually, they connected up. Uh, this is a year or two later now, but they connected up, actually uh, did some coaching together. And I was thinking, that is so neat. Like, here I am in <laughs> Southern California, and I don't, I've never met either of these people in person. And yet, here I am putting together two people in Scotland. And I love that. The feeling that, I get, um, I mean, purely on a selfish standpoint, 
just being able to help people and to make a connection and to solve a problem for someone uh, through helping them to build a relationship, that's fabulous. And mm-hmm. uh, it's mm-hmm. so much fun. And I, and I know that the kind of people who are part of the Coaching for Leaders community really, I, I think, really enjoy that kind of thing too. If there's something they can do to put help put relationships together and make the world a better place, I think that that is, uh, I think that's something that resonates with a lot of our audience. That's nice. It's a nice framework because I have two fundamental kind of core principles that guide how I think about networking. And the three things that you talked about there about, you know, building your influence, maybe expanding your role, making the world a better place. I think my two core principles support all of that. Mm, good. So we're, the way I'd like to start this is by addressing the people who in their minds think I hate networking I wish I didn't have to do it, all that. It feels like a, a burdensome task. I say, look, there's, there's kind of two mindsets around it. The first one is about abundance. That really powerful networking comes when you do not live in a world of scarcity. You do not have scarce resources. It's your life. That's all you're doing. And you have plenty to give. You have all kinds of things to give and you may not even know what they are, but approach your networking from a place of abundance. There are no competitors. No one's competing with you. That's not the point. So that's number one is abundance. And number two is people often think that networking is kind of dirty because there's a goal at the end of it. Like I want something from you and that's why I'm networking with you. So there's some sense that it's Machiavellian, manipulative, nefarious. And I go, no, 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 no. Wait, stop. There is no goal line with networking. There's nothing that you want. Everybody wins. It's only about, and here comes the word that is the second pillar. It's only about relationships. Mm. And these two things cycle back and forth, abundance, relationships. And when you build relationships, you have more abundance. And when you have more abundance, you build more relationships and on and on and on. And I believe you can track me on this and your listeners can track me on this over our conversation today. But I think that everything I'm going to talk about today and probably everything you talk about today is going to fit into one of those two umbrellas. It's either going to be somehow related to abundance or somehow related to relationships. And I think that changes how a lot of people think about networking just to begin with. And suddenly it doesn't feel so dark or burdensome or difficult. Now, it doesn't address the people who go, oh, but I'm an introvert and it's hard for me to talk to people. That's a separate thing and we can talk about that too. But I just want to start with abundance and relationships. Oh, I'm so glad we're starting here because I think that this is this is actually a place where a lot of people have a disconnect with networking because when many people think about networking, those are two real obstacles is they're thinking about networking all of a sudden because they don't have abundance, either a job has ended or they need to make a transition. And they do have an end goal immediately, which is to find a new position or to find a new customer, or there's something immediate that they feel like they do need to get out of it. And so I I feel like a lot of the people who object to feeling like they can be successful with networking or really struggle with it are approaching it kind of from those two opposite mindsets and not aligned with that. Yeah. So (laughs) moving right along, (laughs) I want to start with a story that is an enormous violation of 
every networking rule I have. Uh, someone's, someone introduced me to someone by email. They said, you know, she's, she's from out of town, blah, blah, blah. She's done all these things. She would love to meet with you. She kind of does what you do. Uh, would you meet with her? And I was like, of course, I'm happy to meet with her. We go to breakfast. I do this, I don't know, a hundred times a year. I'm always happy to do it. Never Mm -hmm. a problem. I sit down with this woman and she talks all about herself, which is whatever, not the best. She doesn't ask me many questions about me. That's okay. But we're 45 minutes into our breakfast. I have just met this woman and she asks if she can work for my company. Oh, wow. And I thought, why would you think that I would say yes to you? Now, I didn't say that to her, but my point is, she was clearly coming from a place of scarcity. There felt like there was desperation in it. And number two, she had not built a relationship with me. Why would I hire a stranger after 45 minutes? What did she think this was, an audition? So to me, it violated every possible rule. One of the things that I think people need to understand about networks is that they are built over time. And that's on the macro scale. Like you said, I'm really well connected. Well, that's true. I am really well connected. That didn't happen in a month and it didn't happen in a year. It's happened in over 20 years of me being in the profession. I've gathered people. That's, that's one of the things I do in my life. That took time. But also on the individual level, when I'm trying to build a relationship with one person, look, you and I are a great example. You and I have become friends from one conversation, actually one email. Yeah. But it took time. We weren't friends after our very first conversation. I think we knew we liked each other, but we didn't know where we were going to end up. Same with any relationship that, that you or any of your, th- your listeners can think of. You know, it, it, relationships happen over time. And so partly you need to realize that networking is about planting. It's not about hunting. I really felt at that breakfast that that woman had put a target on me and she fired away. And it did not go well with me. And that woman is not in my network. Yeah. On the other hand, when you plant seeds over time, that also means you need to tend them. Some need more water than others. Some need weeding, whatever. Some are just fine. They'll grow by themselves for years till the day you need them. But each one needs its own kind of attention. But they all need time. So I'm glad you're mentioning this because... Um, there, I think for all of us, there's something we fall down on in this process that we're not as naturally good at. And for I'm just thinking for myself, Tom, I tend to be pretty good at making that first connection with someone, having a good interaction, where I tend to fall down. And I think this is true for a lot of my clients too and people I've talked with is they'll have that good interaction and then they don't necessarily know what to do next. So what would I do as a follow-up a a week from now, a month from now, a year from now? How is that not awkward in order to build the relationship? And it's not that I, you know, don't do that ever, but I think that that's something that I don't do consistently as much as I'd like to. And I know a lot of people struggle with that. How do you see that? Well, I've got a really simple one. So this goes under the heading of abundance. The question that I have is simply, simply this, how can I help? Now, when I was first starting my career back over 20 years ago, when I was a brand new newbie and I was trying to transition into the field, I asked that question, how can I help? And I got invited onto the board of what was then ASTD and I 
you know, and, and I didn't know anything. I had no expertise. I had no knowledge, but I was a competent grown up. I was happy to stuff envelopes. I was happy to come early and set up. I was happy to, you know, do whatever needed to be done because that's all I could offer. But I offered. Hmm. And because I offered, the follow-up became very natural. All I had to do was say, how can I help? And people would tell me how I could help. And suddenly we weren't just a one-off. Now, you know, as a kind of senior practitioner, when I say, how can I help? The implication is quite different. I have all kinds of resources that I certainly didn't have back then. And I'm happy to share them with people. So again, the the longevity is built in because I'm saying, how can I help? And you tell me how I can help. And then I'll do that. And now the follow-up is quite natural. And I hear in both of those answers of not only what do you do today, but what did you do 20 years ago? Abundance. So even you didn't zero in on 20 years ago what you didn't know or what you couldn't do because you didn't have the expertise or experience in the field. You zeroed in on I have I have time and resources and I have the ability to help and stuff envelopes. And so I'll offer that. And that's where my abundance is right now that I can give to others to build relationships. And let me make it clear, Dave, I, 20 years ago, I had hunger. My acting career was declining and I needed to supplement that income. I needed to start a new career. I was hungry, but I wasn't walking into a room going, can you hire me? I never asked that question. I asked, how can I help? Now, I, I want to tell one more piece because I think I see people blow this all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. And it's so, I think it's so simple. So let's pretend that I ask you for a connection. So I reach out to you and go, Dave, who do you know who does X, Y, Z? And you go, oh, my friend Roger. And I say, Dave, Thanks a million. And maybe you do that email that says, hey, Roger, meet Tom, Tom, meet Roger. And then you step out of the middle, right? And now Roger and I are connected, right? What people blow is not coming back to you. So Roger and I, let's say, go forward. Now I'm working with Roger or Roger's working with me or whatever. Roger and I now are suddenly building our own independent relationship. The way that I keep my network going is to write you an email at some point and go, hey, Dave, let me tell you what happened with Roger. Partly because I don't want you to reach out to Roger. And Roger goes, hey, thanks for that introduction to Tom Henschel. He's fantastic. He's doing this and that for me. And you think, wow, it would have been nice to hear it from Tom. Mm, Yeah. And I just want to say this happens to me over and over in my professional life now where I hook people up and I'm fine about that. That's good with me. And then I hear from the wrong person. Do you know what I mean? What I should have heard from is the person in my network who said, who would have said, thanks for the introduction. Here's how I'm working with that client. And they, and it just, boy, people are, I don't, I don't know why people don't think of it. So I'm putting it out to your listeners. Don't drop that ball. One of the other principles that you've articulated in some of the resources you sent to me, by the way, you have 10 golden rules of networking. So we'll figure out a way to uh, see if people can get access to that from you because I sure. think they're great. Um, there's a there's a wonderful handout I'm looking at that you have, and one of them here is being prepared. And um, I'm curious about that of how that is true in today's world, and especially in all the digital uh, interactions that so many of us have uh, with the clients you see who are doing this well. 
Tom, what do you what do you find that people do well now as far as being prepared in their interactions? Well, I, I want to tell you the lineage of that. So the 10 golden rules grew out of a period of time when we were in the recession in 2009-2010. And it was a period of time of uh, you know chaos and suffering. I was more than one client that I was in the middle of coaching called me up and went, uh, we have to cancel the coaching because they won't pay the bill anymore. I mean, like your coaching has been canceled. That had never happened to me in all my years. Uh, people were getting fired, getting laid off. My business tanked. Suddenly clients were canceling on me. 2009, I, I thought I was going to lose my house. It was a terribly desperate time for me. And all I could think to do to generate business was to give things away for free. I spoke everywhere for free. And I went back to the way I built my business in, you know, 1990 was give stuff away for free. That spirit of abundance in a time of extraordinary scarcity and networking was something everybody needed to talk about. And so I created these 10 golden rules. The, the reason I did the little diversion here is this idea of abundance, give it away for free, whatever you've got, you know, you have things to offer and it doesn't matter how desperate you are. Be generous. Okay. Before you go on, can I say something about that too? You, you told me recently, I forget how it came up in a context, but that if there's an opportunity that comes your way that isn't right for you or someone's looking for a different coach or, or something, it, when you pass that along to um, one of your colleagues or another coach or someone else in your industry, that in your mind, that's as good as if you had gotten the business yourself because of the relationship that you build with that person and that gift to that person of building that relationship. And I just really thought that that was so neat as far as how you you think about that. And I've thought about that a lot, a lot in the last couple of weeks since you told me that, of just thinking about the gift of giving relationships introductions and doing exactly what you talked about is, is, is building is, is coming to a place from abundance and relationships. Mm-hmm. That, the, the, that example, and I, and I cannot tell you how often I do that, which is somebody comes to me and says, oh, will you coach me? And I listen, and I go, you don't actually want me. You want my friend Mindy or whatever, you know? I do that all the time, and it's easy for me to do. Even It's always been easy, even when I needed the work, because it's, it's more authentic and genuine, but it is absolutely about those two things we're talking about, abundance and relationships. I think my personal value goes up when I can refer work to other people. It, it's, it's just so I'm a big, big, big believer in it. Yeah. It's, that's great. I love that. That's a version of being prepared, isn't it? Right? Like having resources, being well-networked. But coming all the way back to being prepared, the reason why I said, the reason why I wanted to start the idea about being prepared with that story about 2009 was because I found that people weren't prepared. And what I used to say to people is, look, networking can happen anywhere. You're walking into Trader Joe's with your recycling bags, and you see someone from your kid's soccer team, and you're standing talking, and suddenly the conversation gets to, by the way, what do you do? Or, oh, like, I have a friend who does that. I 
find all the time that people are not prepared with a kind of pithy line about themselves. When people try to explain their work, they talk for like two minutes uninterrupted and it's confusing. They're not prepared. They're not thinking about how to talk about their work or whatever it is that they want to network on. Maybe it's their volunteer opportunity. Maybe it's their church or their temple or their mosque. I mean, whatever. But they're not ready to talk about it in a way that's interesting and simple. So this would be the classic, what we've heard as elevator pitch or, or elevator speech <laughs> of some way to be able to articulate what you do in a very short period of time. Right. And I know you have stories about this. I do. I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show before, but I and put this in an article somewhere recently. My dad was really brilliant at this. And I've, I've heard the principle in the past of be able to describe what you do in a way that an eight-year-old would be able to understand it. And uh, when I was uh, a child, my dad was a director of accounting for McDonald's. And he used to tell us as kids that his job was to count hamburgers. And pretty accurate, actually. <laughs> Very simplified, but... Very simple, but but really catchy. I mean, it, it, by the way, if he did that at a cocktail party, people would be interested and they would ask another question. And I saw that happen many times when I was a kid of that kind of thing happening where it is interesting and it's fun and it's playful and yet it also is memorable and it's very well it, it was a great job but it was great at being able to articulate exactly what he did later on in his career as he um, worked within the organization he uh, was in charge of franchising for mcdonald's and uh, he would describe himself as a used restaurant salesman and uh, i always i always loved that because it was really uh, it was really clear as to what he did even for people who didn't understand what franchising was right that idea, first of all, by the way, how clever of your dad. I, 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 know, I know we're going to talk about elevator pitches. I can just feel it coming. But before we get there, I just want to say how clever of him to have that ready. So the idea of being prepared is all kinds of things. Do you have a business card on you? Do you have a pen on you? So it's not just what's in your mouth. But I, I want to say that when I suddenly see someone scrambling for their business card and they can't find it and it takes them three tries or their pen is buried in the bottom of their purse, and it's now going to be like a 90-second thing while she rummages through her purse, that's not a great networking moment. I don't think it is. It's like you were not prepared. And this is simple. I mean, I just, I, I don't think this is hard. And especially, by the way, if you're a job seeker, you need to be ready to look for a job in the Trader Joe's parking lot. Yeah. Because you don't know where your next job is coming from. And can I say one more thing about that is sure. I, I th my experience has been, and I've seen this happen a million times too, where you have an, a good conversation with someone, you build, there's some sort of a connection that happens. And there's, I don't know, six or seven or eight minutes of, of a great conversation. And then there's no next step. There's no, um, oh, we should get together for coffee or, oh, I, I, heard, I know this article would be good for you. And then we don't fail to ask that final question of like, so can I send it to you or what's your email address or let's set a time to actually get together. And then it's that it's a missed opportunity to continue a relationship that has started. And so I, I really try to be diligent these days, Tom, if we have a converse, if someone has a conversation with me like that of, 
I will take out my phone and I'll put it in my task list to say, I am going to follow up with this person. I am going to send this person this thing that I was just telling them about that will help them um, because my good intentions will go away (laughs) 10 minutes later when I'm doing something else and I've forgotten about it. And then that forward movement in the relationship never happens. One of the things that I find people are uncomfortable with, especially if they feel like they are in the lower position, they're, they're a junior person networking with a more senior person and stuff. They don't know how to take the ball. And that's when I say, then go back to question number one, how can I help you? And then that changes the conversation, right? Cause maybe by the way, maybe we've had a fun conversation and we've been talking about our kids soccer or whatever, but when you suddenly move into a position of service, whether you're junior or senior, it doesn't matter. But when you do that, now we can have a different conversation where the task will emerge. Because maybe the task didn't emerge in the conversation, but we do feel like there's a connection. or We do feel like we have some kind of overlap in our circles. And if you're stuck for how do I get some traction here, go to that question. How can I help you? And by the way, if they say, I don't know, suggest something. Offer something. And that's another way about being prepared. What do you have to offer? And that stuff, I mean, that's something you can think about while you're in the shower, right? Be prepared. Think about that. I want to just talk about one other piece of being prepared. And maybe this goes to strategizing or managing your networking or whatever. But one of my clients, when I met her, was so heavily task-driven the only reason I was coaching her was because, not because she wasn't brilliant, everybody knew how brilliant she was, but she was kind of leaving dead bodies. She was so task-driven that it was not nice to do work with her. And when she and I were talking about this, she understood, but what she said was, I don't have time. She understood that relationships take time. And she was like, I've got too much work to do. Mm. And, she was, and she was right. She had a lot of work to do. Now, I've stayed in touch with this woman because we really just loved each other and she made such a huge transition in the coaching and it was of such value to her and blah, blah, blah. Now, I want to just tell you what her calendar looks like. (laughs) And I know her administrative assistant, by the way, who was a genius. But now, this executive's calendar, one to two to three days a week, she has a lunch scheduled with someone. Mm. And this is not a, you know, 45-minute lunch in the cafeteria. This is a 90-minute lunch out of the building. And it's like, wow, where did that time come from? And what she realized is that all that time I spent with relationships actually makes my job go easier and faster. Similarly, she's not just working with people on her team. Not at all. She's working across business lines, right? She's working with her peers. She's going to lunch with people that are outside her scope of work. And that's why her work is getting easier is because she's touching so many different parts of the business, but she's scheduling it. She's prepared and it's made a huge difference for her. It's really just a fascinating shift from a woman who went, I don't have time to now that's actually what she does. That's her work now. It's fascinating. Nice. I love that. And it, it reminds me, I'm just thinking of my calendar right now. I've for all the reasons you just articulated, Tom, I've, I've put in space in my weekly template for my calendar now to make sure I'm spending time 
reaching out and building relationships and and scheduling time to have a lunch and it's so important and when i've when i've as i've done it more i've seen the value of it of how it's so critical for me and the people that i'm connected with and uh and it's it 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 does take an investment of time um it but does. it always pays off it always pays off in the long run well you know you know people who are not good at networking dave they don't know that so here's the deal when you say it always pays off people don't believe that because it's not a direct one-on-one. It's not like, oh, I go to lunch with that person and she gives me work. Or, oh, I go to lunch with that person and now that project is easier. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. You have to believe that you're pitching pebbles that have ripples and you don't know where the ripples go. And I think for a lot of people, especially task-oriented people and people who you know, live in a high-pressure world, it's hard to remember that. And we all have so much work and so many emails and we're all overconnected and overcommitted, it's hard to remember that I'm just making a deposit for the future. I'm planting, not hunting. I love the analogy of planting, not hunting. And you're going to put those, uh, you're going to put that that opportunity there for the future and put that, uh, some of those things are going to bloom in the way you anticipate they would. A lot of them are going to have different things happen. And like you, I've had stories where things didn't happen for years because of it. And all of a sudden, someone drops a line or someone else makes a connection like, oh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, you did this nice thing for this person. And now uh, or I was there. I saw this at this organization. It's so much fun to see that happen. But you never get to get there unless you spend the time doing the planting first. And it's, again, it's not difficult. You just need to choose to do it. That's me as an extrovert speaking. I know that there are many introverts, people who feel like, but I don't like doing it. It's painful for me. It's hard for me. Uh, I understand that too. And I think we need to address those people too before we finish. Yeah. And that's me, Tom, is I tend to be much more of the introverted person. And I, for me, I've just found that all of these principles stay the same. It's just the... Some of the tactical things are a little different. So, for example, whereas someone might pick up the phone and you know start a relationship that way, I often will start typing an article. <laughs> I'll post mm. something on LinkedIn. I'll I'll start a podcast like I did five years ago. I'll do things that tend to be more my comfort zone, and then I'll share them with people. Or, or, and someone says something or reaches out, or as I get emails often from people in the community here. And then I have disciplined myself to then reply and to say, and to ask a question rather than just say, mm. oh, thanks, or that was a nice comment. I'll often ask, I don't do this always, but I, but I often, some of it <laughs> depends on how much emails in my inbox, but, um, <laughs> but I, I love to ask, like, that's so interesting that you like this article. What is it that you liked? What did you do with that information? Or if someone reaches out to me and says, I've been listening to the show for a year and a half, like, wow, that's great that you've been listening to a year and a half. What have you learned? Like, what are you doing with what you learned from the show? How has it been helpful to you? And yeah. I've had times where I've had someone send me a line or two, and I'll respond with a a one line, you know, how, how is it helpful or thank you or something very quick, and I'll get back a two page email. Um, wow. Of, yeah. right. of of and then all of a sudden, then there's the opportunity for 
building a stronger relationship with someone. And, and now I have the challenge of, you know, I, I can't do that in, in every situation just because I, I just, there's not enough hours in the day. Um, but I, but what I found is that if I start with what I'm good at naturally, and like you said, from abundance of like, how can I, how can I serve people by doing that? Then, then it's just, um, that it's fun. Then it's not like I'm walking into a cocktail party with 400 people and I need to go, <laughs> I need to go introduce my people myself to people in the room that's not my comfort zone so i don't do that very much um i I do the things i'm i'm comfortable with and i I use that as my gift well you've hit on something that i think is important and i say to people all the time which is it's two words show up yeah so for me and and this is me this is my style is i show up in rooms i show up in rooms where people are meeting that's comfortable for me. I know how to work those rooms. I'm happy in those rooms. It's fine with me. For you, you show up through your content. And you know how to do it through LinkedIn or posting an article or whatever. The point is you need to show up. And partly, for example, by the way, that's my woman executive that I talked about. She's now showing up at lunch with people. She's not buried in her office, buried with work, too busy to you know, leave her desk. She's showing up. So there's many, many ways to show up. I think, again, if you want to be a better networker, you have to decide how and where you're going to show up and then do it and simply keep doing it. Don't do it once and go, well, that didn't work or, or it was bad or evaluate it. It comes just by doing it over and over and over. I have so many stories in my own career and building my own business where just because I was in the room repeatedly over time, people thought they knew me and they knew enough about me that they made a connection in the room for me. They would come over to me and say, don't you do coaching? There's some woman over there talking about coaching. I don't know what she's talking about, but you might. And I'm like going, who? And they go, oh, the woman in the blue dress. I'm like, thanks. Just because, again, do you know what I mean? It's like, just because I've been in the room long enough, they made the connection. Yeah. Show up. Oh, so It's so important. It's so important of that consistency, and it's it's in my opinion, Tom, is it's so much better to do a good or mediocre job at something and to do it consistently yep. than it is to have it perfect and to do it once or twice and then be done with it. It the consistency is so so important. Well, but think about any relationship we value. It isn't because of one time, right? It's because of it's built over time. And we talked about this earlier in our conversation today. I, it reminds me, a woman that I knew a long, long time ago, I don't know what happened to her, I haven't seen her in a long time, but she, she said this and it used to make me laugh really hard, so I've always remembered it. She used to say, here's bad networking. Can we have a cup of coffee? Can we get married? <laughs> and it was like, whoa, wait, stop. What happened to all those middle steps in there? Right, like, right. Could we like maybe go to a date? Could we have dinner once? You know, and, and that's what people think networking is and that's why people are uncomfortable with it is like i'm going to meet you for something and then ask you for something and i go no no that's hunting that's what that woman did to me over breakfast right it is not that so that idea about showing up and building a relationship over time networks take time they do you need to show up that takes time you need to plant the seeds that takes time tends all that 
Well, speaking of consistency, Tom, one of the reasons that I invited you for this conversation is uh, you've been so consistent, not only with me, but with so many people uh, that uh, that you've introduced me to. And the one thing I always hear from people anytime I'm connected through you, through someone you know, is uh, I hear two things. Tom's so good at what he does. And then the second thing I always hear is, and isn't he just such a wonderful human being? And, oh, uh, and, and I, I, uh, to a person every time, and I just couldn't agree more. And speaking of consistency, I mean, you're just fabulous and your consistency with me and in our relationship and friendship. And so I'm super grateful for that. And, uh, and on a professional level, I, I'm on a mission, as you know, to get everyone who listens to the show also listening to your show, because I think it's a fabulous uh, compliment to coaching for leaders. And so uh, if you haven't already checked out Tom's show, it's uh, it's once a month. It's about 10 to 15 minutes on a a, a topic on on coach, usually something related to coaching, Tom, but you're, you're so brilliant on how you um, put together a, an, an interaction with a, a past situation with a client. And, and I, I just think it's wonderful. And I always take something away from every one of your shows. So I hope folks will go check out the look and sound of leadership as well, if you haven't already. Well, thank you for all of that. That I might thank you that touching and my heart is full. Can I just observe one thing, please? Uh, probably, I don't know, 15 minutes ago, I said, well, you know, we're about to talk about elevator speeches. And we never did. <laughs> so maybe another show. But but uh, anyway, this was a fantastic conversation. I love talking about this. And, we, and, and to your listening community, I, what I want to say is, I'm not joking. I am happy to help on this. I love talking about this. So if I can be of any help to your listeners, just let me know. Oh, great. Well, we're, we're going to do this. Uh, we'll track, we'll figure out how to get that document to everyone. So right after this, uh, I'll have a link for everyone for where you can track that down either through me or through Tom. So we'll make sure everyone has access to that. Great. Thanks a ton, Tom. I appreciate it as always. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you again, Tom. Anytime someone in our community reaches out for a referral to an executive coach, Tom is almost always uh, the first person that I recommend. Uh, He's just so talented in his work, as you uh, have heard today and on many episodes in the past. And in addition to what we talked about today, there's a number of other rules of networking that Tom has available, and he's been very kind to provide a downloadable guide for us on his 10 golden rules of networking. We covered some of them today. You can get access to them directly just by going to coachingforleaders.com slash golden rules, and that will download the PDF of those 10 rules that will help you to really take some practical action. And of course, I'll have that link in this week's weekly leadership guide for those of you who receive that as well. And speaking of downloads, one of the best things you can do to get started on practical actions, not only to develop your professional network, but to help you to become a more effective leader is to get access to my free 10-day audio course that's titled 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. And if you will give me 10 minutes a day for 10 days, will help you to get the most immediate practical actions to become a better leader. I've gone through and uh, several months ago taken the best of the best of the conversations over the last uh, 
five, six, almost six years now of the show. Uh, in fact, one of those conversations is with uh, Tom, and I've put them into 10 lessons that I think will be really helpful to you. And you can get access to those just by setting up a free membership on the Coaching for Leaders website. That's at coachingforleaders.com. And when you activate that, you'll get access to the course right away. In addition, you'll also get access to the weekly leadership guide that comes on Wednesday. So check that out if that is of interest to you right now. And in addition, there's some related episodes to today's conversation with Tom that if you are thinking about growing your professional network, and I hope you are, that you'll want to also check out in the context of today's conversation. Uh, Back on episode 177, I had Mark Sievercrop on, and we had a conversation on how to start a conversation with anyone. At five steps that Mark and I talked about in that episode is one of the most downloaded episodes the year we aired it. I certainly suggest that as a good starting point. Uh, If you're going somewhere where you know you're going to meet a bunch of people, that's a great starting point. In addition, also check out episodes number 106, and 209. Both of those are with John Corcoran. Uh, John is probably the best networker I know. He is masterful at building amazing relationships with so many people in so many different industries. And on episode 106, he came on to talk about how to create your personal networking plan. And on episode 209, we talked about how to get ROI from professional associations. If you're involved in a professional association and you're wondering, how do I how do I get involved and, and break in and build relationships with people and start to influence? We went through a lot of tactics in episode 209 for that. In fact, it's one of the episodes I recommend the most when people reach out to me for networking advice. Uh, all of those episodes will be in this week's leadership guide as well. And you can get to any of them just by going to coachingforleaders.com slash the episode number. And on next week's show, I'm really thrilled to welcome Eugenia Weiss to the podcast. She is a professor at the University of Southern California, USC, and is an expert in working with veterans and their families. She's co-editor of the books, The Civilian Lives of U.S. Veterans, and also Supporting Veterans in Higher Education. We're going to have a conversation about how we as leaders and uh, and just as corporate citizens can do a better job of supporting the veterans that are in our organizations and that we're working alongside with and helping them to make the transition from active duty into civilian the civilian workforce, I'd really encourage you to check out that conversation, especially if uh, you and your organization are supporting veterans, and I hope that you are. Uh, finally, this week, uh, thank you, two big thank yous uh, to all of you. Thank you so much for all of you continue to leave ratings and reviews for the podcast on iTunes uh, from my call at the end of last year uh, in Brazil. Thank you so much to Marcelo in the UK. Thank you to DJ in Hungary. Thank you to Z Sophie. And here in the States, thank you to Inuasha, Lathan, Diane, Thomas, uh, my man, John Panero out in Florida. Thank you, John. Uh, Q Bonbon, Posimo, and Coolit3. Thank you to all of you for the fabulous reviews on iTunes. I'm very grateful. And also, speaking of gratitude, thank you so much for all of you who responded to the survey I sent out last week on the Coaching for Leaders Academy. Boy, what a great response we got. I had to, I had to upgrade our survey account to be able to access all of them uh, because we got so many responses. Thank you. More coming this week on the Coaching for Leaders Academy. Watch the podcast feed. Watch your inbox. More information coming and uh, we'll be launching shortly. Have a great week and see you next week. Take care.